Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I believe this is the 55th episode, the Johnny Boychuk episode of the Pucks with Hags podcast. So thank you very much for listening. We have the New England Hockey Journal's Evan Marinovsky here today to uh, talk a little Bruins. Maybe he'll drop in some nuggets about the uh, the ISL and some of the prep school hockey and some of the things he's working on uh, for the Hockey Journal as well. And I have seen Evan smiling face on Nesson a few times. So uh, oh, God. to him uh, doing a great job hosting. What's the name of the show? Is it the New England it's, Hockey it's Journal? It's just show? New England Hockey Journal. It's there That's all it is. So yeah, people always send me photos from like the bar, like you're on TV here. And I'm like, <laughs> nobody's listening to it. So yes, it doesn't matter. Yes. But it, I find yeah. I get a kick out of it. When the novelty is there, when you first start going on TV, that happens all the time. That happened to me when I first started going on NBC too. I'd get people like sending me videos or pictures of them at a bar with me like smiling on the tv screen that's always fun it is uh, fun it's a cool thing absolutely uh all right let's uh thank our sponsors fanduel sportsbook um clns wa- exclusive wagering partner fanduel sportsbook uh right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins download the app uh visit fanduel.com boston and kick off uh the NFL playoffs right now, uh, fun to watch and all kinds of other things going on. Maybe you can bet on what kind of jacket uh, Taylor Swift is going to wear to the Chiefs playoffs game. So, like, who knows? Um, let's also thank our other sponsor, Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Uh, fast, flavorful, nutritious, ready-to-eat meals, delicious. I am not only a spokesman, also a client. I like the food. It's very good. Um, we do a lot of the different, uh, meal kits and factor meals, uh, I like, cause you just pop it in the microwave and it's done in two minutes. I know a lot of them send the ingredients. There's all kinds of other stuff. My wife likes some of those. I like to eat no fuss, no must throw them in the microwave. Uh, head to factor. I don't blame you with, with kids and stuff. That's, I feel like that's the easiest thing. Yes, you have to. And like, you know, it, it is perfect for kids too, because like the kids have like the chicken nuggets and the French fries and you're not going to eat that like five days a week. So you got to have something you can pop in the micro in two minutes That's uh, exactly you're on it. Run and you're going to hockey practice, all that stuff. Uh, so head to maxfactormeals.com slash hags 50 and use code hags 50 to get 50% off your first box. All right. Uh, Evan, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. Anything off the hop that you particularly wanted to talk about with the Boston Bruins or, uh, um, something that you have observed, uh, that you, you were just, uh, like dying to talk about. Oh, geez. Uh, you know, I gotta say Monday's win over the devils was, I imagine we'll get to Swayman in a bit. So I don't yep. want to like yep. spoil that. We will get um, there. But I think that win, unless I'm forgetting a game. Because it has been a, it's a long season, so some games slip through the cracks. Um, that might have been the best sixty-minute effort I've seen from them all year. It definitely was the best sixty-minute effort I've seen from them in the last couple weeks, for sure. Um, and again, I know the Devils were hurt. I know that they are not a team near full strength, but I just look at the way that they played offensively, the way they created, uh, the way that they were in their own zone, the way that Jeremy Swayman was in net. Um, and I liked it. I was impressed. Uh, I think in considering also coming off that road trip, you're coming back. Uh, it's not a perfect spot to win in first game at home after a long road trip. And they didn't just win the game. They were the better team for the entire game. So 
Uh, that's my big t- th- thing. The other thing is uh, Nesson had a tough day <laughs> on Monday with the with, I, that was wild. You know what? I, I don't think it's just that day. Like the West Coast trip, that road trip they were on, I felt like there was issues with the feed uh, several times in several of those games too. Like uh, at one point, um, it looked like you know the the screen was covered in Vaseline, like it was just a really bad picture. <laughs> and I know my wife and son were telling me that Jack Edwards sounded like he was uh, broadcasting out of a tin can at one point uh, yesterday with the audio. Uh, it sounded and, terrible. It was yeah, it and was, I know there was all kinds of stuff going. But like the feed in general, I felt like for three or four games in a row, like there were issues almost every single game. So I and I, that's not usually like. Sometimes that's just technical difficulties and that's just nobody's fault. Uh, yes, whatever. it could easily be nobody's fault. But, but it was, but it was, there was, I've noticed that uh, over the last week, 10 days, the feed has been uh, weathering the storm. I think they're in the dog days of the hockey season, just like the Boston Bruins are uh, as they're going through things. So like, I did notice that as well. And I got, I, and my wife like was watching the game and she actually sent me like a video of when the screen went crazy with all the like boxes and everything. Um but yeah, I, point taken. Um, I, I I liked the win. Uh, I thought it was a very solid win. I love the way that they dominated the first period and then came right out and scored in the first thirty seconds of the second period and really just like did not allow anything uh, to go sideways. Uh, so many times you see that happen where a team can't put a goal in in the first or a goal gets overturned like it did uh, in the first period for the Bruins on the uh, offside uh, challenge. And then they come out and the other team scores at the beginning of the second and just steals the momentum from them and really gives them a gut punch and kind of takes control of the game. The Bruins did not allow that to happen. I thought it was a good win, an impressive win coming off a road trip where they like worked really hard and a lot of guys had to play huge minutes. Um, Mm. So you expect a little bit of a letdown. So in all those respects, I thought it was an excellent win and a great win. Uh, I would not tournament one of their best this year because um the devils didn't have jack hughes the devils didn't have dougie hamilton yeah that's where it's like a bunch of their players and i feel like they they were they were going against a less than their best devils team so they were kind of ripe for the picking at that point too um but the bruins still took care of business uh, nigel dawes played a really good game uh, Nico Dawes, excuse me, played a really good Nigel game. Nigel Dawes, <laughs> former player. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he played a really good game in net for uh, for the Devils. I thought he was excellent, and he kept them in it, and he made them work for the goals that they got. Um, so, yeah, solid it went all around, coming off a solid win at the end of the road trip. Uh, the Bruins um, missing Brandon Carlo on that road trip, losing him early in it, really uh, – made Charlie Mac Charlie McAvoy averaged over 28 minutes a game in those four games on the road and they got his minutes way down uh yesterday which was important same thing with Hampus Lindholm um you know those things as well a bunch of the forwards that had played heavy minutes on the road they were down as well yesterday so all in all it was a really good win to sort of balance um things out and give them a little bit of a rest uh you know a less taxing game after it was a grueling road trip. So I liked all that stuff. Uh, the one thing I wrote about yesterday, um, and I didn't even plug myself, I think, uh, when I started this episode. You can go to joehaggerty.substack.com, get a premium membership, get all my content sent to you. And I also write for the Boston Sports Journal columns after every single game. And what I wrote for the Boston Sports Journal yesterday, um, I think a lot of people wrote about Swayman. I wrote about him a few days ago. 
So what I wrote about yesterday was just Charlie Coyle. Um, oh, I know. Continues uh, to really step up into a much bigger role uh, that the Bruins absolutely needed somebody to step into the void. And I find it interesting. And what I wrote about yesterday is he's kind of stepped into a Patrice Bergeron role with this team. He really has with the way that he plays um, the two way, 200 foot game. Now he's centering Brad Marchand and David Pasternak and kind of a perfection line redux, uh, you know, like they're, they're mm-hmm. sort of recreating, recreating that magic. Uh, of that top line and sort of loading up on that line. And he provides a Bergeron-like presence on that line with those other two wings and kind of recreates what they were able to do so well a little bit. Uh, and it's interesting that Jim Montgomery started to tap into that. He took 26 face-offs in that game yesterday, took a ton. Like every time it was a big face-off, Coyle was out there. Um, plays in all situations, is killing penalties, scored the game-winning goal, had that great play. Uh, on a backhander that when they scored 30 seconds in the second period um, on a really nice shot. And the numbers are there. Like he's on a pace for 29 goals and 60 plus points this year, which are very Bergeron-esque overall production numbers as well. So like you could make the argument that Charlie Coyle has kind of stepped right into Patrice Bergeron's shoes in a lot of respects. And, And the biggest reason the Bruins have not had an issue this year at center, like we thought they were going to, it's Charlie Coyle. I, I, he has really stepped yes. up into, like, a lot of people wondered, doubted if he was ever going to be a top six center, thought he was kind of a third line center, was always sort of pegged in that role because the offensive production wasn't uh, there consistently. And he obviously still has a whole second half to go. He's like at about 15 goals and 30 something points right now, but he's on pace to put a shatter his career highs, um, which happened like uh, seven, eight years ago in Minnesota. Uh, as far as offense goes. And I I really think you just need to, there needs to be a big tip of the cap to Charlie Coyle as he continues uh, to play in a, in a primary role with the Bruins and do something he's never done before in his NHL career. And is kind of having a career year uh, when the Bruins really needed him. And you flip it on the other side um, when they were going through that stretch right before Christmas, where they really started struggling, lost five or six games, were having a hard time scoring goals that, Charlie Coyle went scoreless in that stretch. And I think there's a direct Mm. correlation between the Bruins offense really struggling if it's going to struggle and Charlie Coyle going dry offensively. The two things happened at the same time. And I don't think it was a coincidence by any means. I think one thing kind of led to the other. That's how reliant they are on Charlie Coyle to step up and provide offense behind David Pasternak and Brad Marchand right now. I completely agree. I think Coyle has played obviously the best hockey of his career this year. Uh, and, and you're right. The Bergeron thing is interesting because pre before the season, I kept saying, you know, obviously you can't recreate Bergeron's leadership or what him right. and Krejci are able to provide. And I get that. Right. But just look at the production, right? Both guys, what they're producing points wise. Is it crazy to think Coyle and Zaka, uh, can't, you know, can do this, can do similar numbers. And so far again, and Coyle has played not, I mean, it's not like, Coyle's on pace to set a career high just playing with Pasternak and Martian. He's played with right. a bunch of different wingers. Uh, and again, 32 points in 43 games. Bergeron would be right around there, uh, yep. I think. And so, like, again, I go back to, uh, you know, he's he's able to play the defensive side well. He's fairly good on faceoffs. Um, you know, just the way he's able to play, all those different little things. And I don't want to say 
he's an upgrade because he's not, you know, Bergeron is still Bergeron, but he is quicker and he is younger. And I think there is that element to it. I'm not saying it's a better, well, he's bigger not, too. That's, well, that's the other part thing of it too. He's that's a, a big he's a, part of it. He's a bigger dude too. He's, and he, physically he's bigger. He's huge. And he's fine. I think he's also finding that confidence because for so long around yep. here, you know, it was, can he be a top six center? Can he be a top six center? And the tough part was that he never really got the chance to be a top six center for a while, right? It was always stepping in for a little bit or it'd step up and be the right wing on the, on the second line for a little bit. It was never for extended periods of time. And I think Coyle has, you know, through 43 games this year, I think he's ascended past the, oh, he's a placeholder up there. And he's, he's better though when he's in your bottom six, it's clear. That's not the case anymore. It's clear, at least this season that he you are better when he is in your top six when he is contributing and i think that just what he's provided you he can play in any situation i just think that again he's playing the best talk of his career and he looks phenomenal i mean just everything the puck protection um his d zone coverage all that stuff he just looks great i mean that's the thing like and he, he's finally he's sort of finding his spot and his spot on this team might be the number one center on this group. And again, I know a lot, there was a lot made of last year uh, in that Panthers series when Zaka and Coyle were the top two centers and they won those games. And yep. I kept saying, well, that was two games in the playoffs or three games. You know I mean? Th- there's adrenaline involved in that. It's a kind of a must win. I, I, you know, I, you can't take too much off that, but that seems to have been something that was sort of a glimpse into what the future would be. And as you said, they've not had any problem really at center this year because Coyle's held it down. And Zaka, you know, I know he's been on the wing a bit, but, you know, yep. Zaka's also done his job too. Yeah, and and maybe that series against Florida for Coyle in particular was a, a, a springboard confidence-wise going into yep. this year too, just seeing that he absolutely can do it and he could step into um, that role if it were vacated by Bergeron as it was when he retired um, in the summertime. So... One thing I really liked is we asked him after the game yesterday, um, kind of, you know, is this your best NHL season? Those sort of questions. And he, he was basically like, look, I'm just trying to play the right way, do the right things, like whatever. But he also admitted he's like, what well, you know, if if I uh, if I go out and crap the bed in the second half of the season, do it. Does is this still my best NHL season? <laughs> like it's halfway over yet. I'm not gonna you know, pronounce anything uh, done and, you know, pronounce all these great things happening when the season's halfway over. Like he's got a great mentality as far as like finishing out the whole thing, knowing the playoffs are the most important building every day, getting better, helping the team win, like all that stuff. He's a, he's a, he's become a true leader on this team. And one of the, uh, you know, I, I think he learned a lot um, as much as anybody else uh, working alongside Patrice Bergeron for as long as he did. And I think that had a really big impact on him and a good positive impact. And he's kind of, you know, I think maybe aspired or maybe said to himself and challenged himself when Bergeron retired, like, you need to step up and be more of that kind of player to this team uh, moving forward. And I think he's done exactly that. So, you know, big credit to Charlie Coyle for, you know, really going out and, and showing some people things that he'd never done before and, and you know, raising his profile of who he is and, and what he can be. Um, and if he continues to play this way, he's going to get, I think, Selkie votes at the end of the year. Um, because of the defensive game, because of the penalty killing, because of the amount of faceoffs he's taken for the Bruins, because of the stuff that he's doing, I think he's going to start, you know, getting consideration for dip- higher things and b- bigger, better things because of the way that he's played. So full credit to him. 
Um, another you guy. Wor- one before we move yeah. on, are you worried at all that they're riding him too much? That we're going to no. get to the playoffs and it's going to be, you know, he, he's clearly warned. I'm not saying he will be, but I mean, is it a worry? Because he's playing a ton. I am um, going to move. I was going to talk about something else, but I will actually segue into something else we were going to talk about because it kind of dovetails with this perfectly. Um, there is, I don't think particularly for him, there's a concern because I don't think his minutes have been that out of whack. I don't, you haven't seen him playing 20 plus minutes a night a lot this year. I think when I watch, look at the um, game sheets after they're over, I don't see him going over 20 a lot. I think they're wary of that with him and and careful uh, about that with him. Um, But I do think there is a concern, and I've written about this over the last week or two as well. Um, There's a concern of riding certain players too much and not playing the fourth line enough and not playing bottom pairing defensemen enough. And, you know, all of a sudden uh, Pasternak is playing like 23, 24 minutes in a game and Marshan's get going over 20 a lot. And um, you know uh, other players uh, might get up in that range. Those two are usually the ones with the biggest uh, forward ice times, but like, you know, Carlo goes down last week and, and um, McAvoy's basically playing 27, 28, 30 minutes in these overtime games and Lindholm as well, playing like huge minutes. Um because, you know, Mason Lowry is playing 12 or 13 minutes and Shattenkirk is getting protected on the road in certain situations. And, you know, yep. things like that are happening. Um, that is a concern. And that's something like in January, February, you need to be very wary of that you're not riding any of those guys so hard now that they're just going to be a shell of themselves by the time the playoffs start. And there's going to not going to be enough gas in the tank. And I think that's definitely something that the Bruins uh, are aware of. And I think it was part of the reason uh, Trent Frederick was centering the fourth line yesterday. Um, Cause there, I think there's a conscious effort on their part to try to play the fourth line more uh, to lighten the load on everybody else. Because typically you've seen when it's Johnny Beecher, Oscar Steen, Jacob Lauco, they're playing like seven, eight minutes a night. Maybe Beecher yeah. plays a little more cause he kills penalties. Um but like really not getting any more than 10 minutes and you need to be playing your fourth line guys more than five, six, seven minutes a game uh, to light, to, to lessen the, the workload uh, on uh, the forwards. It's a little tougher when Carlos hurt and forwards hurt to do that with the defenseman. And I think they're just going to kind of have to suck it up to a degree in certain situations, but I think that is something they have to be wary of and they have to be thinking about um, over the next couple of months. And I, I agree with you. I think the other thing you have to think about is like you have a lead in the Atlantic. Obviously, the Panthers are gaining ground, but, you know, you're not going to fall out of the playoffs if you play right. your fourth line, you know, a few more extra minutes. I agree with you when it comes to third periods of close games against good teams. You got to earn the right to play in that third period or down the stretch. I get that. But, yeah. you know, I agree with you where like, you know, if you play your fourth line five more minutes. Uh, or even less like I, you're not falling out of the playoffs. And um, th- there are times I worry that they're going so hard in the regular season and trying so hard to, you know, rack up this great regular season that the playoff, I mean, we saw it last year, the playoffs, they they sort of fall apart. I think that's a worry. And like, that's, yeah. I think if I had a primary worry with this team, like, yeah, the scoring, you know, guys like DeBrusque, you need to see a little bit more from at least production wise. Okay. Um, and the old mark with this injury, you know, we'll see, but I think the overall big thing is just the, 
the uh, kind of what I just mentioned there, where it's like you need to be in a spot where you're going to have success in the playoffs and you're not going to run out of gas. You're not going to be facing adversity for the first time come the playoffs. Now they faced adversity this year. You know, they have yep. faced a lot more than they did last year, thankfully. Uh, but you don't want, as you said, you don't want guys, especially on D running out of gas. Uh, and you also want to empower, like, I do think there is a, uh, an argument to be made to empower some of those younger players to have more confidence come the playoffs, because yep. in a situation where, uh, a top dog on defense goes down like a Carlo. You need guys like a Watherspoon to step up and have confidence that they can play more minutes and things. And I've liked Watherspoon's game as a depth yep. defenseman, is a fifth or sixth D, perfect. Like that, it's perfect, reliable, steady, fine. Um, but yeah, I it, that is a worry that if this continues, uh, you know, or if what happened a few weeks ago continued, uh, you'd be in a much worse spot. Yeah, and I I think this it, it may be that at the end of the year we look back on this team and said they had to they had to ride the horses because they had to you know this is one of those teams where they basically wrung every bit of what they could get out of it during the regular season and they're just not as deep and as talented as some of the other teams and I think that may end up showing in the playoffs and you know you may end up seeing in the big picture like it was always going to be this way where they kind of were a good regular season team and they got the most out of the, the team that they could, but they just didn't have the horses when it came playoff time. And it was more about getting some young guys experience in the playoffs and sort of, you know, setting themselves up for, you know, a run that's going to be four or five years now uh, with a lot of the young guys in the, in a different core sort of leading this group. And it was like a transitional season. And we've, we've definitely talked about that a lot as that potentially being the case. The NFL season is wrapping up, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-8.
NY or text Hope NY in New York. Uh, but Waterspoon, I agree with you. Uh, I think he's been um, very good. Uh, you know, he's obviously not dazzling. He's obviously not going to catch your eye with anything he's doing with the puck or anything he's doing offensively, but he's been extremely steady. He plays physical. He, he blocks shots. He will, you know, clear bodies in front. He will stick up for his teammates. Um, uh, you know, he will he will do little things on uh, that are going to, get you more work in the NHL as defenseman uh, because he doesn't hurt his team and he makes good plays and he's kind of a well, good, well-rounded defenseman, you know, averaging 17 minutes a night. He's been a plus player, like everything that you want out of a bottom, uh, bottom pairing defenseman. And I actually think it's interesting with him. I think he's gotten to a point that he's played so well. I think he's played like 17 games now or something like that. 15, 16 games. He's somewhere in there. I think he's gotten to a point where, like, if they try to send him down to Providence, someone another team's gonna, probably going to take him, or maybe <laughs> there's right. a real danger yeah. of somebody else taking him. Where he he may have played himself into a role with this team for the rest of the year, based on the way that he's played and based on what he brings value wise depth to the team, where he's going to stick around and he's going to be a part of what they're doing, and he kind of helps make some decisions that maybe need to be made or they were thinking about making anyway um, as far as the defensemen they have, as far as, you know, trading away a defenseman, as far as like everything. I think he's sort of, he's not the biggest factor, but I think he's a factor in all that now because he really brings value to this team. And I, I think it's worth noting now, you know, when he was up for a, for a few games, you're like, Oh, all right, call up from the HL. He's playing. Okay, great. I, he's gotten to the point where he's starting to push his way into like the picture of like, thinking about being on this team and being a part of this group. And I think it's a credit to the way that he's played. I mean, again, I, I just wrote this down, like they're D pairings, right? Like right now uh, it's been like Grizzlick or, or low rye with McAvoy. Let's say, let's say they're fully healthy, right? Let's say Carlo and Forbert are back, you know, yep. it's the playoffs. Somehow they're all hundred percent healthy, uh, which obviously is not realistic because that never happens. Right. Um, but, you know, let's just say Grizzlick or low rye with McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Forbert, Shattenkirk. Does Watherspoon work his way in to play with Forbert? Does does Watherspoon just pencil in as the seventh D? Um, you know, do you again do you put him out there instead of Shattenkirk? Uh, you know, is Grizzlick a part of that equation? Is Lowry like? But I think at the very least he's a seventh defenseman because yeah. he's reliable and I think and, and he's steady and I think when it, the playoffs come around, guys get hurt and I think you're gonna need a guy like Watherspoon to come in and eat minutes and play good defense. And so far he's shown that he can, you know, and I don't think he needs to be anything more than that. If he's, no. if that's all he is perfect, perfect. I, you know, I, not every guy that comes up from Providence has to be, you know, Oh, the ceiling is incredible on the, he, what he could be the potential. And it's like, no, if that's all he is and he continues to progress as a good steady bottom pairing defenseman, Great. Like, yeah, it's fine. Well, that's, I mean, that's basically what Connor Clifton did. He did the same sort yes. of thing where he came on and just stuck and kept playing pretty good hockey and ended up getting better and better and more a more important part of the team and sort of adding facets to his game. And like the physicality really started to come on some of the other stuff, too, as he got more comfortable at the NHL level. And I think Wotherspoon is doing that same thing where he's pushing his way uh, into the picture and pushing his way into like their plans. Um, and he's 26. He's been in the HL for a few years. So it's not like he needs to go down in Providence and play. He's not this 
young prospect where you need to get him playing time and you're worried about him being a seventh D at times uh, up here. I don't think that's an issue. I think he'd be totally fine uh, playing in that kind of role. And he's become enough of a veteran uh, pro hockey player that like that could be his, his niche um, at least until like something shakes out and he's able to push his way into the bottom six. But I, I just, I, it was, I think time to acknowledge that he's done a really good job and he's kind of earned a spot on this team with the way that he's played um yeah i i I think the one thing i think we can talk about too is is mcavoy um going back to him uh we talked about the minutes that he played and on the road trip but i think bigger picture um i was kind of hard on him in november and december rightfully so i think he struggled a lot uh he was a minus player big time in both of those months um, I think he had his, his problems, uh, especially like right after Thanksgiving, or when they had that losing streak right around Thanksgiving, where they gave up 17 goals and they lost three in a row. He was bad. He yes. was not a good player in those games. Uh, and I think he was a minus for like six games in a row, but he's pulled out of it. He's back in the positive now. Um, you know, he had a great game uh, at the end of the road trip. Um, I think he really like stepped up when they needed him to, when Carlo went out on that road trip and, and played great hockey. Um, and he's really sort of turned his game around um, to a better level. And, you know, I've noticed lately too, he's getting a lot more aggressive offensively, which is good. Yep. And I, I think um, maybe as a sign of uh, his overall comfort level with his game, maybe as a sign, he's a little more confident and everything and everything that's going on around him, as far as the way his teammates are playing and he feels a little freer to, you know, step up into into a bigger offensive role and take risks at times. But I've really noticed in the last month or so uh, that he's been playing his best hockey of the season. And uh, it it really has translated into success for the Bruins. It has. I I agree with you. He almost scored again on Monday, hit the post and then missed his rebound. Uh, Classic defenseman, like getting a scoring chance. You never think you're ever going to get like, oh, what do I do with the puck right here? Um, I agree with you. By the way, hitting the post on the empty net. Oh my God, he he missed two straight, right? I like, know. And then he had Martian also had a one timer that I think McAvoy might have passed it to him earlier in the game that he, he just had an open net. net. Yeah, he hit yeah. the side of the net. Yes, um, that's got to be a terrible feeling. I thought but, the goalie saved it, and then I was like, nope, he hit the side of the net. He, the <laughs> he just tire. missed. He just missed. Uh, I agree with you. McAvoy's look better. I mean, ever since that suspension to Ekman Larson the physicality wasn't there really afterwards and I think his game took a hit because of it and you nailed it I mean I think the confidence looks like it's there uh, offensively he's joining the rush at better times he's more active in the ozone um, and then just in his own zone I think he's just been better defensively now I also think that comes with you know we played a little bit with Lowry earlier in the season and I think those two acclimating together you also look at like in the past, Grzyk McAvoy have been a pretty solid five-on-five pairing. This year, that has not been as much the case. Yeah. Um. So again, I don't. You know, he needs to be top dog on whatever pair he's on, right? Like it shouldn't. It shouldn't matter so much who's playing with him. I mean, that does factor in, obviously. Factor meals. Uh, it does factor in, but he should be the top dog on his pair, and I think he's been top dog for like the last month, uh, in terms of how he's been playing and. Um, just overall confidence and things like that. And I think that's a good sign. Now, you don't want to ride him so hard now and have him, again, burn out for the playoffs. But I think as a top defenseman in the NHL making his money, 
Like that's kind of par for the course. You're playing those minutes. You're playing in every situation. Uh, Really not many nights off. Like that comes with the territory of being a top five defenseman in the NHL. You know, like that's, that comes with the territory. And if they're going to win a cup, if they're going to go, you know, if they're going to make a push this year and in future years, you're going to need him playing like this. Uh, So I think it's encouraging that uh, he's been doing that. Yeah, and he's been there in January. November, December, not great months for him. November, really not. Uh, December was a little better. January, I think he's right back to where he should be. He needs to be. And, uh, you know, like you said, frankly, based on the contract and his profile and all that stuff, playing more like a Norris Trophy winning defenseman this month than he was, I think, the the previous couple of months before. Um, so that, that's been a positive for the Bruins. All right. Um, Twitter question of the week, Evan. Still not... Uh, we still don't have a sponsor for the Twitter question of the week. I am going to challenge all those people out there with deep pockets listening to this show to come sponsor the Twitter question of the week. Let's they get it going. Don't. Even if it's like, uh, you know, pure hockey and they give like free sharpenings to Finn, like every couple <laughs> of that, that would be the, are you kidding? What, even if that's like the best <laughs> case scenario, are you kidding or, or, me? You know, Sparks hockey, if they want to, like, you know, send me free uh, half fire wheels uh, for the Sparks machine so I can, uh, you know, just spark- give give out sharpenings for Finn's entire uh, hockey team or both of his hockey teams, that would be fine, too. That's um, better than that's better than like a dad bringing like brownies or cookies to a game. I think <laughs> the sparks sharpening free stuff. I would are you kidding me. That would be way better than that. You, you know, I much respect to all the dads out there with the sharpeners that take them to tournaments and stuff. Like I would not. I don't think I'd want to go through the whole like process of readjusting the thing again and making sure it's like aligned and all that stuff. Like because that's it's what too you have much to work if you're carrying it around and taking it places. I like it. It's uh, my wife, too much to my wife's chagrin. It's on the kitchen counter right now. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> yes. It's towards the back. So it's not in the way when she's like making dinner or anything like that, but it's sitting right there. And I have not moved it once since I got it for Christmas. Um, just whip it out to, uh, to sharpen. Uh, I, I had to sharpen fin skates. He got them sharpened at a place. And within two or three times he was on the ice there was it sounded like metal on metal on the ice when he was making oh. turns like i don't know uh-huh. what the hell was going- yeah i i heard him take a hard turn and the sound it made was like what the hell was that i don't know you're what- like i gotta buy uh, him new skates don't i don't I? know what happened with the sharpen but like i put them right into the sparks machine did a couple passes and perfect they were right back perfect. to where they needed to be um, yeah so that that thing i you know i would also love to be a spokesman and a client because i'm already a client for sparks now after christmas time uh, so I highly recommend that machine. It's easy to use uh, and it works perfectly. Uh, so if they want to step up and be the sponsors of this, hey, my, uh, be my guest. We do have Factor Meals uh, to help us out. America's number one ready to eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a, a quick meal. Uh, they fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, they have calorie conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic, filet mignon, and shrimp, and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's, it's, it's a great deal. 
Um, so if you want to get Factor Meals, uh, go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir- first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I- I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to, to make meal kits, especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry if you go to Factor Meals. It gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval. Uh, the Twitter question of the week from uh, Bevan Keith or Keith Bevan on Twitter. Um, hey, those comments from Swayman, RE NHL arbitration process are concerning. Literally almost every player goes through it and hears criticism in the hearing. That's not true. Um, not literally, not every player goes through it. There's a select few players that go through it, but that's I a- say most don't go through it. Right. Uh, fact that he's groaning on about it is concerning. Bruins should keep that info in the back of their minds. And for those wondering, here's uh, what that is referencing. This is something Swayman said the other night after uh, after I uh, he found out about being an All Star. Um, which congrats to him. I think that's well earned. Yes. Going to the All Star weekend. Uh, Swayman, Pasternak, and Jim Montgomery all going to represent the Bruins. He said, that's really special first and foremost. It couldn't happen without the team in front of me. I mean, I'm so lucky to be on such a defensive structured team that takes pride in the D zone and, of course, gets it done in the offensive zone. So huge kudos to them for allowing this to happen. That's a goalie, like, giving all the credit to his teammates right there. I, I so far, love it. Uh, but, yeah, after dealing with what I did this summer with arbitration, hearing things that a player should never hear, it feels pretty special to be in the situation. So I'm extremely honored, and I'm really excited to join Pasta and Monty. Now, I didn't really take this as a warning sign. I really didn't have a lot of a problem with this because I think Swayman has mentioned this a couple of times, uh, that he did not love the arbitration process. I think he's just being honest. I don't think any of the players love the arbitration process. Uh, I think he's used it as motivation uh, for sure. Um you know, and it's made him a better player. And I think that's why he was sort of referencing it. And he's, and he sort of clarified that last night when he was asked about it, that he was kind of just talking about that being a past experience that's built up to what he's doing right now and how he's playing. Um, do you sense any concern? Did it raise anything alarm bells with you uh, to see comments about arbitration uh, when he was talking about being named an all-star? Yeah, trade him. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I think it didn't raise alarm bells. I think, A, he's translated it into motivation, right? He's ha- he's having the best season of his career so far. He's clearly improved. Yep. Um, he's been the better of the tandem this year. Um, so, again, I think he's translated that into motivation. What I would say, and I, I don't think it's – I don't want to be in Boston. I think what he's more saying and what he thinks – again, this is just me – my own opinion, my guess is he's not going to take a hometown discount to stay. Of course not. That's no. the big thing, right? Like not. that's and that and that's a diversion from the norm that was here when Bergeron Krejci were here. But those guys aren't here anymore, and the cap's going up, and guys want to make what they're worth. Well, and the re- and, and the there's reality- also the simple facts, Evan, that. Linus Ulmark and Jeremy Swayman are the most important parts on this team this year. By far. By you know, they're the reason they're winning all these games is the goaltending that they're putting up. And he's the one that's having the better season. He's the one that's now going to the all-star game. He's probably going to be the one that's going to start game one of the playoffs based on everything we've seen to this point. He's going to get paid. And you're right. I, I absolutely 100% agree with you that 
you know, and, and part of the reason um, he had that kind of mentality pushing things into arbitration last year too, that Mm -hmm. he didn't want to settle for whatever they were offering him. And he thought he was worth more. So like, that's been his approach consistently. I don't think that's going to change when it comes to his next contract. No, it's not. And the other thing is, again, when you look big picture, right? Like, uh, Olmark makes 5.25. Now that contract was signed, you know, three years ago at this point, obviously yep. Olmark's going to make a lot more. Can you go into, you know, can you go into next season with, let's say Swayman making six and a half, potentially seven, like he's moved himself into that tier as an all-star, as a yep. good young goalie in this league, stable young goalie probably should be making around what other good young goalies made, uh, around the league. So let's say it's that. Can you afford twelve to thirteen million dollars on your cap in net? You know, and I think that's a real question, and that's more of a an off season topic. But I think it's worth talking about. Now, I'm not saying deal him. I think he's worth the money. You developed yeah. him on your own. Like he, to me, is the guy long term. Um, and then you also have to think about Omar is up after next season, and he's going to be due a big payday because in the last couple of years, the guy won a Vesna and has been one of the best goalies in the NHL. So I think you also have to consider Olmark and, and that. So that might force their hand this off season in trading a guy like Olmark. I know I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but you know, the writing I think is on the wall in terms of that stuff. Yeah. You're going to have to pay Swayman these comments. Again, I don't want to like, you know, you know, uh, get people pressing the panic button, but he's not taking five or five and a half million dollars. Like he's getting paid. He should get paid. He deserves it. I think he's worked his way into that. So uh, again, I I just, it's not alarming. I don't think it's like, I want to get out of here now. I hate this whole team. I hate the front office. Right. I think it's, you know, I went through that. I had to put up with that BS. I've responded. I've made an all-star team. You know, he still has a lot more to go this season. Cause again, if he craps the bed, like Coyle mentioned, you know, if you crap the bed the second half or you're not, if you don't show up in the playoffs, that's going to take dollars off that next contract, but he's on pace to get paid and he should, if he continues at this pace. Yeah. And he said, he said the same things right after the arbitration hearing was done too. It's not like he's yes. like all of a sudden talking about this now. He's pretty consistent. He's like, guys, I got something to tell you. It's, I've got to get this off my chest. Yeah. He said this <laughs> arbitration multiple wasn't times. Done. This is not new. Um, that he did not like that process. And he basically said after it was over, he's like, I don't ever want to do that again. You know, uh, and there was his comments like right afterwards. He's like, that's not yeah. ever something I'd ever want to do again. And oh, by the way, he's still an RFA right now for next year with, I believe, arbitration rights. So he would be right <laughs> in line to do it again. Two straight uh, years arbitration. That'd, which, that'd be a which record. clearly doesn't want to do. Um, so that's why you've heard, you know, murmurs of, uh, an extension out there, or, you know, uh, whispers of, uh, reports that, you know, something might be cooking between those two sides. And I think they're, I'm sure there's smoke to that fire. Um, that's somebody they want to lock up and they want to get to a contract extension. And like, honestly, this whole window was important, I think too, um, of them seeing them play five, six games in a row to see how his performance would be, to see how consistent he could be, to see if he could handle the workload mentally and physically. And I think he's done it. Um, And and this was one of those bars that he had to like jump over and sort of show them. And this injury to Allmark sort of naturally um, created this scenario where he was able to do it and play every game for a couple of weeks and show that 
maybe he is one of those goalies uh, that comes around that can play 60 plus games in an NHL season, um, you know, and be what, you know, Tuca was when he was here. And maybe they don't necessarily need uh, a, a one and a one a tandem if they have him and if they're paying him seven million dollars a year they can have brandon bussy as a one million dollar backup and they can trade linus allmark and get some value from him for him um as a guy that won the vesna two years ago so or yet last year now uh, would be two years ago this summer um but i i think all that stuff sort of comes into play and, and all those things sort of lay into that kind of a situation for the bruins i think um, I think he loves it in Boston. I think he likes this team. I think he likes playing for Jim Montgomery, another humane guy. And I think yep. it's a very humane, friendly staff with Richter here too. Like, I think there's a <laughs> lot going on there uh, where this is the perfect place for him. Uh, and I don't think any of these comments say to me, I can't wait to get to free agency and get the hell out of here. I think this is more about, you know, him just sending the message. He doesn't want to go to arbitration again. He wants a contract extension. He knows what he's worth. He's not going to take a discount, as you said. Um, and everything is trending towards the sooner the Bruins can take care of this and get them done, probably the better for them because the price is going to continue to go go up. What happens if they don't sign him to an extension now in the next couple of months that's probably in the like, you know, seven range, six to seven range, um, and he goes out and he has a great playoff and he carries them, um, you know, deep into the playoffs and plays out that's, of his mind. That's another mill or two, all, I mean. <laughs> all of a sudden, uh, the price tag is going to go up again, and it's going to be a couple more million dollars, that you, and it becomes, you know, way more um, way more urgent as far as trading Olmark, and it becomes a situation where you kind of have to trade him. You know, like, if it becomes a, you know, $14, 15000000 million uh, that you're, you know, putting, investing into goaltending, like, no team can do that. Um, so I, I think this scenario could turn into based on the way things are trending, uh, it could turn into, into a worse situation for the Bruins if they wait and they don't like pull the trigger on whatever they have on the table with him now or what they're talking about uh, as he continues to jump over each hurdle and, and it pushes value up higher and higher. So, uh, it, this is going to be a really interesting, like, uh, thing to watch. And I think he is the most important player of all their unsigned guys to get taken care of now. Oh yeah. Um, over the, over the rest of the second half of the year to avoid getting to another summer where, uh, you know, all these things are at play. I have two more leftover thoughts on this. Uh, the first is uh, if, you know, if their hand is forced and it feels like it might be this off season of trading Olmark, right. If they decide to keep, Grizzlick and DeBrusque through the rest of the season and just hold on to them because, you know, they both could get you something in a trade. I think both of them have value, not as much as Olmark, but they do have value. Yeah. Uh, let's say you decide to hold on to them for the stretch run and you say, you know what, they're going to be like our additions. They're going to be, you know, additions at our deadline of those are guys that, you know, if we were uh, a wild card team, we might trade away because we're not going to resign them, but we'll keep them for the stretch run. And instead, in the offseason, they, you know, go out and trade Olmark. Maybe that makes up for it in terms of, you know, you're going to recoup maybe draft picks, prospects. Maybe you do a one-for-one one with a with a guy like Olmark for a, for a you know, a, a top six forward or something like that. But I think the better route is get some draft picks or, you know, get yeah. build, build the prospect pool a bit. I would rather that. My second thing. And this is conspiracy theory. This is this is like, you know, this is uh this is the mind work and overtime. This is galaxy brain level thinking, and this is not insider information. 
But do you think, do you think the reason or part of the reason he brought these comments up, obviously he was asked about the all-star game in his season. So I get that. Yeah. But is there any chance they have an offer on the table to him right now that he looked at and said, this isn't even close. Like, is do you think there's a tiny part of like, do you think that might be the case? I think some, yeah, I think there's something at play there for sure. I, I, I do. But I also think like, there's a few things. going. Maybe on. that's not a conspiracy theory. Maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, normal, but I, I don't know. I think I, reading between the lines, maybe that I, is something. I think there is, I, I think there's some of that at play. I think there's some of, he is um, becoming a more vocal and confident leader on that team and becoming somebody mm-hmm. that I think is being a little, becoming a little bit more of a prominent personality and is sort of like, I think becoming a more influential member of that team. I think he's a young player that's sort of coming into his own as far as his value, who he is, you know, his ownership of the team, like all that stuff I think is coming too. Like, I think there's a lot of different things at play here. And I think it all points towards um, an ascending player. You know, it all points towards a player that is uh, pushing to another higher level uh, in the NHL, um, you know, uh, stratosphere and the NHL sort of uh, constellation of players. Like he's, he's going from a guy that was thought of a certain way to he's pushing into a whole different level of, of pay of, of who he is as a player of how he's viewed of all that stuff and more into the star territory, more into the, um, you know, franchise player kind of territory, more into the like extremely important player that could be a difference maker in a lot of teams kind of territory. Because, you know, we've talked about this. There's not as many goalies anymore that can play like a number one, uh, play with a heavier workload and and maintain their performance and sort of, you know, be like he is, which like he's also a really like marketable player, you know, like from a, 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 a Bruins standpoint, from an NHL standpoint, like he's funny, he's friendly. He's like not one of those goalies that will like not talk to anybody and not acknowledge the fans and will like be like this. The tunnel. He's a very normal but, person for a goalie. He is, like, but like he goes and takes selfies with the fans during warmups and like he has these you know certain people in certain seats they'll go and wink at them like during whistles <laughs> and play and stuff like that and he like jokes around with his teammates during while the game is going on and like you can see times during the game he's got a big smile on his face when things yep. are happening out there. Um, like he is a player uh, that I think is important um, and would be viewed as important um, to a lot of NHL teams, just based on how he plays, who he is as a person, like his makeup, like all that stuff. And and I think what we're viewing is a player that is is realizing like, as it's happening, his importance to the team and, and where he should line up and where he should be. And the contract is part of it. Like, I, you know, I, the way that he's playing this year, um, and he needs to back it up with his play. He needs to continue, as you said, the second half of the year and be the player that he's been. Uh, but he's like, you know, top five in the NHL or right outside it, save percentage. He's certainly top 10, top 10 in goals against average. Um, is starting to show that he can play game after game after game without, uh, you know, his performance dropping down. Whereas... With Linus Allmark, we've seen when he plays a lot, his performance starts to drop off and he has difficulty mentally and physically remaining sort of focused and locked in the more playing time gets thrown on his shoulders. Um, so I think you're seeing a player that like realizes all that stuff and all these things are also going on at the same time. So 
he's going to be he's going to be a really like fascinating player to watch uh, over the course of the second half. But if I were to like be an advisor on the Bruins uh, front office staff, I would tell them to take care of this sooner rather than later and to get it done with him, because I think the price tag is just going to keep going up based on the way that he's playing. And I've been consistent with this since training camp. I said this Mm -hmm. when I saw him on the ice at the beginning of training camp. And I, when I heard his comments, when we talked to him after he signed his, uh, his, or the arbitration thing happened. And I knew that he had been, you know, in Boston all summer, working out at warrior every day and like getting bigger, stronger, how personal he took that game seven loss too. He like, he threw himself into getting better as a player and, and the doing the things you have to do. If you want to push into that, like higher level of, of NHL player, he did all that stuff. And I thought this year was going to be a breakout year for him. And it's turning out to be exactly that. And I think the Bruins need to recognize that and catch it now before they end up on the tail end of it in like May or June after he has a great playoff. And like, it's going to be at a price tag that they are going to have a hard time paying, or it's going to be harder for them than it is right now. To me, I hit on what you just said. Swayman has the style of goaltending, the confidence, and I think the mentality to be a legitimate number one starting goalie in this league. And the yep. sense I get from his comments and from how he plays is that the goalie tandem is nice. I think he likes it. I think he loves Lena Solmark. I think they are like brothers, you know, I, I completely, you know, like I'm a father and son in a, in a sense, uh, the uncle, uncle, uncle sway. And uh, you know, so that's great. But I do get the sense that at some point he wants to be the guy. That's what he wants to be. And well, I, that, think, I mean, that's just the way it goes in the NHL, though. He's exactly gonna get, that he's exactly paid enough where he's going to have to be the guy, and there's just not going to be a, an ability to have a one and a one A. And that's going to, and I think that's going to be this off season. Yeah, and it, it has to be because they can't, even though they have, they're going to have cap space, and even though the cap is going to keep going up, you can't have that much tied in uh, with goaltending. You cannot have that much money tied up with it. And the other thing is you can't have all that money tied up in goaltending for the guys to both play like 45 games each or around that, right? I'm not great at math, but around that, okay? And not have first and second round picks. You can't do that. Like I, To me, I don't see the logic there. And that's why I think, again, they're going to have, they're going to have to do something. They're going to have to make some drastic type move in the off season. And I, th- I think it's going to end up being Olmark again. I yeah, know this and- is something we're, we're going to do this topic a thousand times when the time comes, but yeah. I do think looking ahead, I think it's becoming more and more clear to me. That's going to probably have to happen. I, I, but honestly, and, and I think your point is correct. I, I think this is something the Bruins are not surprised by, and they knew was going to happen. No. Why they set things up the way that they did. It's why, uh, when they signed Linus Olmark to the contract, they did, uh, the tr- no trade protection, uh, you know, gets lessened and lessened with each year because I think they knew by the last year of that deal, they were projecting Swayman could be this. And mm-hmm. if that were the case, they were leaving themselves the room to be able to move him based on the contract that they signed Olmark to, and based on the no trade provisions that they gave him. So they kind of knew this was coming. And I think, uh, it, you know, best case scenario, which is the way it's turning out to be uh, based on the way both guys have played, it's playing out exactly how they thought it was going to. So I think there are plans in place uh, that the Boston Bruins have. Obviously, it's, you know, dependent on the goalie market for trades, depend on the demand that other teams have for goaltending, depend on what they can get, like all that stuff. But I think this is kind of tracking to be exactly what they thought they were going to do 
with this whole situation if Swayman turned into the the goalie they thought he could be and it's it's exactly what's happening so you know that part of it is good and it's a good problem to have if you have Swayman and Ulmark at the NHL level Brandon Bussey at the Providence level and you know that if you trade one of the guys at the NHL level i.e. Ulmark uh, a Bussey's going to be able to come up and be a, a you know a, a serviceable backup and be a guy uh, that can get, be an understudy to Swayman but you know, yeah I Totally, I think you're right. I think um, this is something the Bruins know they were they're going to have to deal with this offseason. I think they, you know, they probably looked into uh, trading Allmark a little bit last year, but it just wasn't the the goalie market didn't materialize like you thought it was going to in the summertime. The it trade market was prob- so bad last. Summer. It, was. <laughs> it was, and it was probably brutal. better in season. Like they probably could have gotten something for him if they wanted to move him in season, especially when Edmonton like their goaltending was horrendous to start the year, but I think they just can't do it based on how important both those guys are right now to that team. And based on the situation that they have, but I would fully expect um, there's going to be a lot of movement uh, to trade Linus Allmark that this summer coming up, just based on the way Swayman has played and based on their situation in general. Um, Evan, thank you very much for joining us. I, I greatly appreciate it. You can check out Evan Marinovsky's stuff at the new England hockey journal, anything uh, that you're, uh, the people are going to be able to read coming up uh, that you were working on right now that you want to tell them about. Oh God. I mean, we got the magazine coming that's uh, in the works. So that'll be out in the next week or so. So that'll be good to look forward to lots of features and things like that. And then just weekly coverage of preps, high school, uh, some college. Uh, so we got a little bit of everything in there. Uh, so yeah, just con- rankings and uh uncommitted prospects and things like that so lots of prep games i'll see you at some i know that i always do i'm sure you will uh i'll get fit out there to the rink like i always do um evan does a great job so check out all of his stuff on the new england prep scene uh he's all over it he's uh, boots on the ground at all these games talking to people and watching the game so uh he's got all the latest stuff for you let's also thank our sponsors uh, FanDuel Sportsbook get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Uh, da- the app is easy to use and download. Uh, spreads player props over under so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and, and get involved with the NFL playoffs right now. Um, there's also Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Love them as a sponsor. When you're too busy uh, to cook, you throw it in the micro for two minutes. Um, made by... Uh, chefs, uh, dietitian approved, just good stuff, uh, delicious and healthy for you. Um, so go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off of your first box. Evan, thank you very much for joining us, my friend. This was fun. Of course, always a blast. Yes, it was. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening. That's it for now. We'll see you at the ring.